0: Father, we thank you for your healing power flowing in this place. We give you glory and honor for healing those necks, Father. Necks function and line up the way you were designed to. We give you glory for it. I just want to follow this. If you can already notice a difference in your neck, lift your hand up right now. If you can already notice a difference. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God for that right now. Praise God. Praise God for that. Come on, let's rejoice and give God glory for that. Hallelujah. God is good. We will finish up our series today. You can be seated on the blessing of answered prayer. I want to read another praise report here. Uh, It is just really a blessing to read these. And actually, before I read this, I want to thank everyone who Facebook, text message, whatever you did for my wife's birthday on yesterday, She was thoroughly blessed, and so thank you all for that. Uh, The kids, we took good care of her on yesterday. I woke up and immediately uh, asked if I could cook her breakfast, and my plan was to boil her two gourmet eggs and get her favorite bread and get her homemade, not homemade, but her all-natural spread on that, and she looked at me and she said, that's okay, just go to Juice Bar and get my favorite smoothie." And so I did. I got out to bed and went to a Juice Bar and picked up her favorite smoothie. And, and me and the kids went out, did some shopping for her, brought her home a gift. Then some ladies took her out. They had a great afternoon while she was out. Here's the real birthday gift, though. It just came to me. I said, kids, let's clean up this whole house. So you, you all clean your bedrooms up, your bathrooms, toilets, wipe your floors. I'll vacuum, wash the dishes. I'll clean out our bathroom, scrub the shower, and uh, we did all of that. So she came home, saw the house. I said, we cleaned the house for you so you didn't even have to think about it. And, and you know, fellas, she instantly just started. So I had to push her back. I said, it's it's not my birthday. It's your birthday. See, I didn't want her to think I was just doing that because of something I wanted in in return. I didn't want her to, my eyes twitching a little bit. I I didn't. I didn't want her to think I was just doing that because, uh, but how many you know you got to go along to get along, right? (laughs) And so thank you all for being a blessing to her. She really appreciates that. Just seeing the smile on her face, just looking at all the messages that she received, thoroughly blessed her. Listen to this praise report. Just wanted to leave a testimony about a blessed week during the fast that I had. On Monday, January the 11th, I celebrated my birthday. Uh, on Wednesday I received confirmation This is a big one I understand this one from just being in real estate uh, I received a confirmation that my short sale had been approved My house had been on the market for 15 months This was the third contract And the house was more than $100,000 under market How I many you know we can rejoice with that one right there If you understand banks and short sales And so we thank God that God moved that home for her And then this right here, this had to be God. On Thursday, my boss set up a meeting with me. He informed me that I was receiving a raise. And then during that meeting, I asked, how are you doing? He uh, confided in me that he was going into a contentious meeting later in the day. I asked if I could pray for him, and he said yes. Friday, a friend visited me from D.C. She is not saved, and I was able to share my ever-growing testimony with her. God is awesome, and all glory goes to him. Can we rejoice with my sister? I mean, selling a home is big, especially when you're $100,000 under market, getting the bank to approve that short sale. So we rejoice. We give God glory with our sister today. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. We will close out this series on today, the blessing of answered prayer. How many of y'all have been seeing answers to your prayers over the recent weeks? Good. Praise God for that. All right, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now. Someone say now. Now. This is a constant state that we have to learn how to live in, that if I am a believer and I am in Christ Jesus, God is not condemning me, not now and not ever. God does not condemn believers. He condemned his son over 2,000 years ago so that you can live your life free from condemnation all the days of your life. How many of y'all received that today? All right. and so if you miss it or something, you missed it. The sin has already been forgiven. Acknowledge that the behavior is wrong. Repent. Transform. Get new information about what it is that you're doing wrong so that you can grow from that. Confess that, you know, you acknowledge that His grace does not teach you that. I mean, and then begin to confess that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you've overcome whatever it is that you've been challenged about. And make that your daily confession. And you'll find that when you focus on that, I mean, it'll bring you out of whatever challenge it is that you had instead of saying, I struggle with something, okay? So there's therefore now no condemnation. That is so important to your prayer life to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. They don't live their lives occupied with uh, external and carnal thinking. It says, but according to the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so there are two laws that are operating in the earth. The law of life, which is in Christ Jesus, which means Every time we operate in that, how many things are supposed to work for us, right? And it's already in the earth. We're not trying to get God to do something. We're responding to what he's already done. Our faith appropriates what he's already provided by grace. But the opposite of that is true as well. How many know there are punishments that are just in the earth? There are are consequences that are in the earth that when we operate outside of the will of God, then it ignites those things into our lives as well. And so both of these laws are present. And so what we're talking about or what we've said is believing is the first step. Confessing, uh, it seals the believing. uh, Believing and confessing are spiritual laws that create a supernatural result and so today as we close it out today what you're going to see very clearly what you believe and what you say have to always be in alignment and always has to be in agreement you can never ever contradict what you believe in your heart by what you say out of your mouth okay you're going to see that very clearly today and so what we're really looking at here are seven spiritual laws these are not steps that if i do these steps then God will do something for me. This is not works mentality. This is not performance-based. These are just laws that are in the earth that when we work them, they work every single time, okay? And so the first spiritual law of prayer was that we must ask, and we said everything about that. Second spiritual law is we must ask in the name of Jesus. And I won't say anything else about those. You can go back to SoundCloud. Let's pick up today. Point number three today, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. Point number three today, law number three, you must ask in faith, nothing wavering. Go with me to James chapter one. James chapter one. And let's begin reading at verse six. You must ask in faith, nothing wavering. And we know the context here. The writer is James. James is the context here as he's uh, talking about wisdom But the principle is true that anything that we ask, we have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. But notice what he says here. But let him ask in faith, which is a Greek word, pistis, which means total reliance and fully persuaded and trust. So if we're going to ask, how many know we need to be fully persuaded before we ask that God can deliver what we're asking? Right. And we've got to trust that. He says here, so um, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And this is key. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Double-minded means two-spirited or to have two different opinions about the same thing. All right. And unstable in not some of his ways, but all of his ways. So, notice anytime you see one situation two different ways, you're automatically unstable. Is everybody clear? That principle is true in marriage, any aspect of your life. If you see one situation two different ways, it automatically makes you unstable. And typically, if I'm unstable in this area, I'm probably unstable in other areas as well. Okay, everybody clear on that? So, I have to master this principle of being focused on what it is that I'm believing for so that I can get the results that I'm looking for, right? Okay, so now, let's go through this very slowly. The King James Version of verse 6 reads this way. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So I want to look further with this in my study. There are two different Greek words translated as wavering. One is found in Hebrews chapter 10. Go there very quickly, Hebrews chapter 10. And let's look at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, so there are two Greek words translated as wavering in the New Testament, okay? One is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, where we are told to hold fast the profession of our faith without what? Without wavering. King James Version, this, this right here means without blending or mixing. So what he's saying is hold fast your confession or profession of faith Without blending or mixing. So again, we can see our focus has to be on one thing that we're believing for, okay? And we can't blend that and mix that with anything else. The word in James that we just read in James chapter uh, chapter 1 means to ask in faith and do not withdraw from your belief and do not stagger or doubt, okay? So how many of we cannot pull back off of what we're believing, but we also cannot stagger or doubt? So let me explain this. Wavering would be if you said in the morning, I believe God will do this, and we're all human beings, I believe God will do this. But by the evening, life hits you, and by the end of the day, it's easy to say, I'm not really sure if that's the will of God for my life. Anyone in here willing to be honest? Right? If if life happens or something hits us, it's very easy for us to be one way in the morning and then a completely different way in the evening. That would be withdrawing. That would be staggering. That would be doubting. Okay? Now, since someone wrote me this, I decided to go back and let's look at it again because it really can sound contradictory. You all remember we looked at the story in Mark chapter 9. Verses 17 through 24, when uh, the father brought his epileptic son to Christ's disciples. Do you all remember that? And so when he brought his son to his disciples, I mean, he was in faith. He was obviously believing, right, for his son to be healed. But when uh, the disciples couldn't get the job done, like any normal parent, any normal human being, I mean, that's going to create some level of disappointment. Does everyone in here agree with that? All right, and so I want to prove something that the Scripture is not contradicting itself. Watch this. The disciples prayed, nothing happened. But later, Christ prayed, and the child was delivered. But Christ told the dad that if he believed, all things were possible, right? Isn't that what Christ told the father? He's told the dad, if you can just believe, all things are possible. The dad's response was, I believe. Don't miss that. He said, I believe first, right? But then he said, help my unbelief. All right, let's dig into that a little bit more. This statement sounds like a contradiction because how can you say, I believe on one hand, help my unbelief on the other hand? Doesn't that sound like a contradiction right there? I believe on one hand, but help my unbelief. We know the scripture in uh, the book of James chapter 3 says that uh, a fountain can't produce bitter and sweet water at the same time, right? A a, a tree cannot produce bitter fruit and sweet fruit at the same time. So we know the scripture is consistent and God is not contradicting himself. He's not saying something here that is contradictory or those other scriptures in James wouldn't support what's written right here. So, So what's really happening here? The father had faith when he brought his sick child to his disciples. Watch this now. But when their prayers failed again, the father became discouraged. Have you ever had a prayer that didn't work? Anyone here willing to admit that? All right. Did discouragement kick in? No doubt about it. Watch this now. This is why the father said, help my unbelief. The father did not turn around. Here's the key. The father did not turn around and take the child home, did he? Right? Because that would have been withdrawing, staggering, and doubting. How I many know you can have doubt in your head as long as it never gets in your heart? And as long as you can keep moving forward and never let your mouth get out of alignment, how I many know you can still move towards your victory? And this is what the father is doing here. The father didn't take the boy home. The father took the boy, even with the unbelief, to Jesus, which means he was still believing. Amen. Are you all still with me out there? Sure. So the father didn't turn and, and take the, the fellow home. The father took the boy to Christ to see if Christ could heal him. Heal him. So this is what I want to say to you. You have an enemy out here, so everything that you believe God for will be challenged. And there will be all kind of smoke screens that come up. The problem is not in your head. The problem is in your heart. How many know his job is to throw thoughts and doubt and unbelief in your head? But if you can keep moving forward, if you can still get up the next day believing and heading in that direction, how many know it does not cancel out what you believe? Even though you've got a lot of thoughts going through your head. All right? And so we've got to learn how to ask in faith. Nothing wavering. So if you believe today, then make a decision to believe tomorrow and in the days ahead. Once you make up your mind that you're going to believe God for something, then don't let anything pull you off of it. And again, we're going to look at this later, but this is called holding fast to your confession or your profession, okay? When I looked up the word believe, one commentator said this. Believing is is an act. It's not a one-time event. You know, sometimes we think, I believe today. It's really not a one-time event. It is a lifestyle of believing God for what he said in his word. And not letting anything move you off it until you actually have possession of it in your life. Number four, you must be in full agreement when praying with others. I wanted to put this one in here because we are so quick to ask someone to get in agreement with us. Right or wrong? And we don't, I want to make sure we fully understand. You don't want everyone to be in agreement with you. Let, let me try this side of the room. I, I want you to understand. You don't want to just go to just anybody just because they sing in the choir, serve on usher board. Hello, somebody. They might look to look, but there's some conversation that needs to take place to make sure that they are in 100% agreement with what you're asking them to agree with you, you about Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Now, in context here, context, this is between two individuals who have an issue with each other, okay? But in principle, because he says, whatever you ask, we can teach the principle of the agreement of prayer, okay? So, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, he says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they shall ask, very powerful assertion here, it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name. see, so notice it's in his authority and character, not theirs. I mean, you don't want to get around people that's talking about how great they are. You want to get around people who are talking about how great he is. You don't want to get around people who are talking about everything that they've done. You want to get around people who are talking about everything that he's done. All right? And so he says, anything that they ask in my name, look at what he says. I am. See, I'm whatever they need me to be right there in the midst of it. Isn't that good? Now, this word agree here in Greek, and again, you can go to SoundCloud, get as much as you can. In Greek, it's a word, sumphonio, and it's spelled S-U-M-P-H-O-N-E-O. I'll spell it again for those that are taking notes. S-U-M-P-H-O-N-E-O. It is derived from two words, sun, S-U-N, meaning together, and phone, meaning a sound. Together, they mean to sound together or say the same thing or be in one accord. All right? So you only want to agree with someone who's going to say it and believe it exactly the way you say it and believe it. Moment they say, I don't quite see it that way, I mean, it is not the person to be in agreement with on this. From this word, we derive the English word symphony. So you'll get a picture of this. Such as a symphony orchestra. In an orchestra, it is important for the instruments to be in tune and for the musicians to have the correct music set before them. One player out of tune or playing the wrong note will disrupt the unity of all the others. Did you all catch that? Even though I may be 100% in faith on this, one other person can disrupt it if I'm asking them to partner with me on it. Where did this whole thought come from? Again, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with, I came to what? Fulfill, all right? Write these down. You don't have to turn there. But in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, write that down. God required two or three witnesses to establish a crime, according to Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6. So, in other words, if two or three people saw you do it, you were guilty, right? Most people will say it wasn't me. I wasn't there. But in the Old Testament, if two or three people saw you, you were guilty. You see the principle here, right? Because you've got two or three people that are completely aligned with the same thing that they saw. Now, we use this one all the time. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 16 says that by the agreement of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So in other words, we can form doctrine from Scripture and we can hang our hats on it and live by it. If we can find it more than two places in the Scripture. So you see, the principle was already established in the Old Testament. It's just brought into the new. So if you see and really fully understand what I'm saying to you, let's just say I'm trying to start a business. I mean, I'm not getting ready to go to to anyone that doesn't 100% agree with the direction I'm trying to go in. And once they throw doubt and unbelief, now I don't mind criticizing or, or checking it out and being thorough but once we work through all of that once we've gone through the due diligence period and it's time to move forward I mean everyone has to be aligned <clears throat> a prayer of agreement only requires again at least two people but listen to this prayer agreement must be more than agreeing with the mind or with the word Listen very carefully. It must be an an agreement deep within your spirit, an assurance in unity that cannot be broken by outward circumstances that may appear to be working contrary to your prayers. Let me tell you something I wrote here. So then if it's not just me mentally uh, assenting to something and talking and sharing with someone, this is someone that I have a good relationship with. This is really someone that that knows me and I know them, which tells you, husbands and wives, you are a power couple. This is why the enemy tries to fight you so hard to get you off of the same page, because he knows once you get on the same page, there's nothing he can do to stop the two of you which is why your support of each other is so paramount. I could not do what I do without my wife's 100% enthusiastic support and vice versa, okay? I cannot stress this enough. So if you're talking about asking someone to agree with you in prayer, get people that you are intimate with, who you know and who know you and you know are going to stand with you all the way to the end, and they're going to be there when it's going good. They're going to be there when it's not going good. They're going to be there when it looks like it's not getting ready to happen. They're going to pick up the phone and tell you it's still happening. Stay in faith. We're still heading down the road. You don't want people saying to you, maybe you missed God on that. Maybe God did. I mean, they're getting ready to destroy everything that you worked hard to believe for. So don't just go to just anybody sitting next to you talking about, can you agree with me? No, you don't even know each other. I mean, they may not ever pray about it ever again. Be perfectly honest, it's only about two people that I even do this with. One is my wife and the other one is my covenant best friend. Intimate. Know you, you know them. Don't just throw this around. Married couples, don't let anything get in between your unity. Yeah. This is getting ready to shock you, not even the kids. Yeah. Let me try this side of the room over here. I love the kids, but how you many know they can't get in between this? I can honestly tell you something. There's nothing that the two of us, two of us have not 100% agreed on that we haven't seen come to pass in our life. This is how powerful. God, God said, when the two of you can be like a symphony, I'm right there in the midst with you. So now we're not going through this, just the two of us. How I many know He's now going through it with us. And it's not even my name that's on the line. It's his name. Number five, you must hold fast your confession. Go now back to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, next law, you must hold fast your confession. We will walk into our first permanent building debt-free. There will be no bills on that building whatsoever. We will pay cash for it. You know what? Some people come and tell me, well, everybody had to start somewhere. I mean, I can't lie. I can't get in alignment with them. Of course, it's going to take a little longer because you've got to save. Every building out there we're believing for, we can go finance right now. But that's not the way we're believing. I can't afford to have people around me saying anything different than that. And I got to learn how to hold fast to that. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our Hope this translation, New King James Version, faith in the uh, New King, or in the King James, without wavering. I'm going to go somewhere different with this one. For he who promised is what? Guess what faithful there means? Trustworthy. Did you all catch that? So, you know how you build trust in people is first by having trust in God. And then regardless of what people do, you still have an anchor knowing that God is still trustworthy. Now, listen very carefully. The Greek word for the phrase hold fast is katecho. And it's spelled K-A-T-H-E-C-H-O. Listen to this now. It is a compound of two words kata and echo. Okay, Kata, K-A-T-A, echo, E-C-H-O. The first word, kata, implies something that comes down hard, heavy, and overpowering, indicating the force that comes in with an overwhelming influence to subdue and conquer. The second word, echo, means I have, and it denotes possession. The word paints the imagery of a person searching a long time for something or someone that when suddenly finding it, they seize hold of it without letting it go. The Greek word means to hold on to something tightly. Can I see that throw right there? This is your wife, right? Let me see that throw. Grab that throw. Okay, bring that to me. You hold on to one end. This is your wife's throw, right? A shawl, whatever you want to call it. We don't want to tear it up, but I just want to prove a point here, (laughs) right? Did you buy this for her? You didn't buy it. He did? Okay. Well, she said you did. You said I don't. So you got to get an agreement on that. So you two go back and talk about it. Get on the same page and then come back and talk to me. All right? But, but, but here's the point. Let's just say his wife values this. Right? And this was something she wanted and it was at a store and, and she got it. It was the last one that was there. And, and she wears this. I mean, she buys outfits to wear with this. Well, what if I came along and tried to take that? And that belongs to your wife. We're not going to tear it up now, but just pull it back. (laughs) Pull it back. Pull it back. Hold fast to that. Don't let it go. Seize. Take hold of that. And see, what he's doing is refusing to let go of something that he has hold of. I'm going somewhere with this. And if you don't have this, folks, you don't have it, what it takes to make it. Watch this. Listen very carefully. The King James Bible uses the word profession, right? Is that what's in your King James Version? Watch this. Other translations use the word confession, which is a Greek word here, homologio or homologia. From two words, homolu, meaning the same kind, and logos, the Greek word for words. Listen very carefully. It means to speak and say the same words. That is holding fast. You you all catching that? All right. Which means sometimes you have to write down so that you can continually discipline yourself to what you're saying. Right? Sometimes you have to make a confession out of it. Right? So that you make sure you don't say anything different than what you are believing for and then you don't let go of that until you walk in it listen to this so it means to speak and say the same words so in this case it would mean to speak and confess the word of God and by speaking it watch this you're coming into agreement with God and this is what I love and you're holding on to what he said regardless of what life throws at you so in other words. If he said I'm healed, wouldn't matter what report they gave me. I'm holding on to what he said until that shows up in my body. Are you all still with me out there? I'm talking about I can look at an eviction notice, but he said he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I mean, I'm not saying anything different, and I'm holding fast to that until I see that manifested in my life. And we can go on and on and on. You hold fast to the Word of God by getting in agreement with God, and you don't let that go until it manifests in your life. Because how many know all hell is going to come against what you believe? You all think this is happening easy? No, man. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. We just don't come out here and act like it. We refuse to do that because we know the Word of God is true. Right, And so so everything, if you're just paying attention, everything that's happened is already a miracle. So why wouldn't he provide the next miracle? I don't know how old you are, but, but has he provided for you in the past? And what are you worried about today? Then? Come on, man, I wish I had a little bit more faith in this room. Come on, you've got landmarks in your life that you can go back to and see how good God has been in you. So if he did it before, why won't he do it right now? Come on, did he bring you this far? I said, did he bring you this far? I said, did he bring you this far? Has he been good to you in the past? Well, why won't he be good to you right now? And you've got to hold fast to that. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I started a business and nobody showed up. That's all right. Speak to the room by faith. Call it full. Come on, somebody. Come on. C- call clients in from the north, south, east, and the west. Come on. I wish I had a little bit of faith in this room today. You all don't realize we were calling these buildings for before people ever showed up. You all are the product of what we were holding fast to yesterday. Some of you all are here, and you do not know how you got here. friend of a friend of a co-worker of another friend. Now you're sitting here today. What you don't know is we've been praying for you months and years ago. So you've got to learn how to hold fast. Watch this now. Law number six. You must ask in line with the will of God. Okay. Let me go real slow with this one. Are you all getting anything out of this today? I know these things that we've heard before, but how many of you just go a little deeper, you'll see a little deeper meaning in the same things that we've heard before, okay? Now, these are not steps. These are just laws that are in the earth that when I work them, they work for me every single time. You must ask in line with the will of God. Listen to this. There are three types of wills on the earth. Did you all know that? There are three types of wills on the earth. Three different types of wills. Make sure you write these down. There's the will of God. There's the will of Satan. And then there's the will of man or your will. Let me explain each one of those. The will of God is revealed in the word of God, right? And we know that the ultimate will of God is that no man should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? That's his ultimate will is that everyone gets saved. Write down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 as a scriptural reference. Well, what is the will of Satan? The will of Satan is found in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief came but for to what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. So if things are being stolen from me, whose will is operating in my life? Right? If things are being killed, whose will is operating in my life? If things are being destroyed, whose will is operating in my life? And never confuse those things with God. Why did God allow this to happen? No, God didn't allow that to happen. You allowed that to happen. It's the things that are just in the earth, and we give access to the law of spirit of life, or we give access to the law of sin and death. Then there's the will of man. So Satan, we know his will is to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, then what is the will of man? We we all know the will of man includes the mental and spiritual ability to choose between eternal life and eternal punishment. How many know he gave us the will to choose to obey him or to choose to disobey him? How many know he will never force his will on your life? And that's where your will comes in. And if you're a human being, how many know we battle with this one all day, every day? Right? Now, what's the scriptural support for that? John chapter 3, verse 36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. And I just want to be real clear on that. Notice, when you believe in the Son, then you live the life He died for you to live. Believing in the Son is believing in His Word. It's this simple, folks. When you don't believe in the Son, then you don't live a life. He died for you to live. It's that simple. Now, if if it were me, it's real easy which side of that I would get on. Well, what if we do all of this and he's not who he said he was? Well, let me tell you, I lived a good, clean life. But I don't deal in what if. There's no way to live the word of God and not know it's the truth of God. It's impossible. All right, now, Satan does not play by the same rules, folks. He will use temptations, trials, circumstances, mental, spiritual pressure to build a case and a cause in a person's mind and in their lives to lead them to make wrong choices. And how many know pressure is good because it will reveal what you believe? You really don't even know what kind of relationship you have with a person until some pressure comes on it, until conflict enters. in. Mean, How you don't know the depth of the quality of that relationship? So it's really healthy when pressure comes because now you get to see what you really believe. And so that Satan's job is to apply that pressure. Your job is to hold fast to what you believe. Regardless of what pressure, circumstances, and life are coming against you. You know, it's just like, I mean, I don't have a perfect marriage. I don't. I have a good marriage. Actually, I can even say a great marriage. But I don't have a perfect marriage. But guess what? I'm not going nowhere. (laughs) Forever. Because that's my daily confession. We're going to be with each other for the rest of our lives. And there's nobody else that I want to be with. I mean, that's going to be challenged every day for the rest of my life. Sometimes that's the thing that keeps single people from getting married because they think w- might be something better out there. Let me hold off a little longer. Is this really the right one? Let me tell you, once you marry them, they're the right one. <laughs> now it's just leadership after that. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching really. It's just leadership or lack thereof after we decide to say I do. That's all that's going on in a right or wrong relationship, either leadership or lack thereof. I hear all the ladies saying, amen, (laughs) but I don't hear no roars out there, amen. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Everything goes wrong in my house is my fault. I start there every time because I'm responsible. Start there, right there. Then we work from there. But I'm in there somewhere. 1 Amen. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 14, 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in ourselves. Right? Is that what it says? Because see, most people don't look at the Bible, they look at me. Look at the Bible. (laughs) Now, this is the confidence that we have in ourselves. In who? So, where's our confidence? Should not be in us. Should be where? Where's our confidence? In Him. Why? That if we ask anything according to His will, He what? His will is His word, right? And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. Okay, now listen very carefully. When we begin understanding these basic laws of the Spirit concerning prayer, we can all pray with more faith, more confidence, watch this, and more expectation. What gives me confidence is Is the fact that I know I'm in his will. How do I know I'm in his will? Because what I asked him is according to his word. So that gives me an expectation that what I asked for is coming to pass in my life. Never ever downplay expectation. If you don't wake up every day like this is getting ready to be one of the best days of my life, you are probably depressed. Or not believing for something. Because every day there should be a level of excitement and enthusiasm to get out of the bed because of things that you know you set before God. And this might be the day that I walk in it. The more you get up like that, the more results you're going to begin to see because you put expectation on that day. Where did that expectation and confidence come from? I know What I prayed is according to his will. I am in the will of God on this. Now I'm getting up with expectation and excitement and enthusiasm. The cash might come before I leave the building today. I got to think that way. I got to believe that way. Every day I just know it's coming. And guess what? One day, just like this building showed up, just like West End showed up, just like our new office space showed up. Why wouldn't I believe that's getting ready to show up, too? Only reason this showed up is because we expected it. Even when they said no. They listen very carefully the power of expectation cannot be underestimated often we minimize our expectations watch this with fear of disappointment this is a deal killer every time what if it doesn't happen the way I prayed? it's not getting ready to happen the way you pray because you said what if And sometimes that fear of disappointment won't allow us to walk in the fullness of everything that God has for us. I mean, you can run that principle through every area of your life. I know people, that every time they meet someone, they kill it because of their fear. It's not going to work out. So let me sabotage it on the front end because I already know how this is getting ready to end. And people do this on jobs. They do this with relationships. You can run this all across your entire life. What if it doesn't work? And folks, you'll never be a winner if that's the realm that you deal in. What if this doesn't work? Folks, let me tell you something. My brain doesn't even factor in losing. I never go into anything. I don't even factor in. I don't process losing. You can say whatever you want to say to me, he doesn't do this, he doesn't have that, he doesn't have this. Let me tell you what I do have is the ability to win. And I'll figure out that one way or the other because I don't process losing. And even if I lost, let me tell you, the only thing I'm doing is going back and figuring out how to come back and win. I'm not a sore loser, but I don't accept losing. The only thing I accept is winning. And I believe I'm in the room right now with hundreds, thousands are listening, of born-again winners. Folks, God saved you to win. Say it. I am, I am a, winner a winner all day, all day. every day. Shout like you're winning right now, glory to God. Come on, come on. Praise God like you're winning right now, glory to God. Because you are. You're winning right now. You're going to win later on today. You'll win when you wake up in the morning. You'll win next week. You're going to win next month. You're going to win all summer. Come on, somebody. You're just a winner. Because God made you that way. I refuse to allow my brain to process losing, and I won't let it work that way. What if this doesn't work? I only look at it one one way. it will work. Hallelujah. 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 Listen to this. When we begin understanding, again, these basic laws of the Spirit concerning prayer, then we'll have more faith, more confidence, more expectation. Let me show you this. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, everyone knows this, but now listen to it in this context, okay? Listen, folks, I'm telling you, everything they say I can't do, I promise you I'm going to do it. Not in my own strength, but in his. And if you haven't learned by now, he takes the foolish things to confound the wise. He's just using something foolish. I'm foolish enough to believe everything that he said. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Do what? So when are you supposed to believe? When you ask and when you pray. What are you supposed to believe? That you receive it. So I'm going real slow here. That's a winner's attitude. The moment I ask and pray, I believe that I already have it. Then I'll have it. But you can't have it. Until you first believe you have it. Oh, that went over somebody's head. Did, did you hear what I just said? See, so you're trying to get it and you're bypassing the first step. You got to already have it before you can have it. And it's your ability to act like you have it before you have it that demonstrates that you believe you have it. Oh, Jesus. See, long before I got married, I was kissing a pillow good night. <laughs> True story. And I was saving money like I was a married man. I was saving money like I was taking care of somebody. And then before I go to bed at night, I lean over, goodnight, baby, <laughs> kiss a pillow. And then I go save as if I was taking care of two people. So that the moment I married this person, work would be optional for them. How many of y'all was already acting like I had it before I had it? How many of you know I'm not kissing no blank pillow no more? There's a real person over there on that side of that pillow. But I had to believe she was there before she was actually there. How many of you know that's expectation? You can't tell me you're expecting anything if you're not living your life like you already have it. Come on, somebody. Come on. You can't tell me that. no way you can convince me that you believe and you're expecting God to do something and you're not living like you already have it. You know what my wife and I were doing last Tuesday? Sitting in front of buildings that we already have. Because we got to have it before we have it. And we parked our car, and we got out, and we walked around the perimeter. We looked at the parking spot. We'll need to do this. We'll need to do that. We'll need to fix that. We'll need to cut this out of the way. We're going to need some tuck pointing over there. We're going to need this. We're acting like winners before we win. And we don't even have the building. You should have saw the people coming out like, who are these people walking around this building? We're the new owners of this building. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we're acting like that before it actually happens. You cannot tell me you're an expectation. And you're not living like you already have. Let's close right here. Here's another indication. You must give God thanks for the answer, which is another indication that you're expecting. Listen, something the Lord showed me last night, Minister Deanna Joe. When do we tell people thank you? Before we receive something or after we receive something? Usually someone gives us something and we say what? Saying thank you before you actually have it. Means you believe you already got it. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, nothing you don't know. Verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. Just in case you didn't get it, and again I say rejoice. I've never seen a person who is expecting to receive a package with a sad face on look on their face. You ever watch kids around their birthday, around Christmas? How you know they beat you up in the morning if they ever even go to sleep, right? And there's an expectation and a rejoicing prior to. Receiving the package and opening up the gift. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Your moderation, the Lord is at hand. He's coming back soon. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Let your requests be made known unto God. And notice he's going to release a peace in you that won't nobody understand. And it's going to keep your heart and your mind. Everybody else will be looking at you like you should be going tilt over that news you just heard. But you'll be sitting there with a smile on your face because you know who you are. You know who you are and you know whose you are. And you know if you are in his hand, there's no one that can pluck you out of his hand. Glory to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always. See how this runs together? How you know that's that's getting up with expectation? You get out of the bed and you say, "This is a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it." Why? It's another opportunity for me to manifest what I'm believing God for. Say, "Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." Notice, you can't thank Him. Unless you already believe you have it. See how these these are laws, folks. See how that runs together? So the prayer is not complete if you don't say thank you. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Ephesians 5, 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks how often? Always. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, doing what? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, doing what? Giving thanks to his name. Notice all of these say continually and always. This is a lifestyle. Why? Because we should be communicating to God every day. You're communicating with God every day. You should be thanking God every day. Last one, Psalms number 34, stanza one. You'll see the same language. How many believers are in this building today? Watch this, Psalms 34, stanza one. I will bless the Lord some of the time. I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. I will bless the Lord when I get my income tax check. Some of y'all are like, but I will bless him when I get that income check, tax check. But as long as I don't owe nobody no money, right? David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. That means when things are going good when things are going bad, come on somebody, when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, come on somebody, when it's raining outside, when it's sunny outside, when I have money in my pocket, when I have lint in my pocket, when my body is physically challenged, when my body is well. Circumstances do not determine the fact that I will praise the Lord at all times. I will bless Him at all times, and His praise shall what? Continually beware. Why don't you go ahead and release some praise out of your mouth today. Hallelujah. I bless you, God. I glorify you. You are awesome. Come on, give him the sacrifice of praise today. Come on, give him the fruit of your lips. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Come on, don't you let your feelings rob you of the victory that God has out in front of you. Don't let Satan shut your mouth up. Come on, praise is a weapon, it steals the enemy and the avenger and it pushes him back. Glory to God. And it's an indication. That I am in thanksgiving. That I'm believing God. That I'm trusting God. That God is on my side. That no weapon formed against me will prosper. That I'm established in righteousness. And fear shall be far from me. Terror and oppression shall be far from me. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, five more seconds. Just make the devil super upset in this building today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Matter of fact, we have multiple buildings debt free. Why would he have us in Cobb County? Atlanta if there weren't two builders that are out there for us that we will have debt free hallelujah oh you shouldn't say that pastor well then what should I say what should I say I don't know how to say nothing else we will have two builders debt free one in Cobb County and one in Fulton County hallelujah hallelujah Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands to the Father. Father, we thank you for the deposit, Father, that you've made into our spirit, Father, for making us even bigger winners than we we are even right now. The ability, Father, to not be condemned and to be established in righteousness, Father. To operate, Father, in the laws of believing and confessing, Father. To have this privilege to ask and to ask in your name, And to ask in faith with no wavering, Father, to ask in line with the will of God, to be in agreement with other people who will be enthusiastic and in harmony. We'll we'll operate like a symphony together towards what we're believing for. Father, to always pray in line with your word of God, which is your will of God for my life. Father, may my will always never factor in. Satan, you are a defeated foe, so your will will never factor in. And God, this ability to rejoice and give you thanksgiving. Before I ever possess it, Father, I know I've already possessed it by faith. We give you the glory for that. Thank you for this information, Father. Give you the glory for that. Everyone look up here at me for a moment. If you're in this building right now, man, I've set before you today two choices. Really over the last five weeks. Life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life.